1: Welcome to Reading Bug Adventures, created, written, and produced by The Reading Bug, our family-owned children's bookstore in California. Please visit us online at thereadingbug.com and readingbugbox.com. Our whole team is hard at work writing, recording, and producing a whole new season of adventures. Let us know where you'd like to adventure to next season by emailing me at lauren at readingbugadventures.com or send your ideas to us on Twitter or Facebook at The Reading Bug. And be sure to subscribe to this channel so you're the first to know when new episodes are released. While we all wait for new adventures, we wanted to introduce you to some great authors in bonus episodes like this one. We often have authors visiting our store and the schools nearby. And when they visit, we ask them questions that we can share with you. Our author interviews are different from our original stories and are suitable for all ages, but they may mostly appeal to kids who are learning to draw or write and for parents, families, or anyone who wants to learn and discover the latest and greatest books and authors in children's literature. This week, we've got a great interview with Judy Shackner, author and illustrator of the Skippy John Jones books, Cerebellus Thinking Cap, and many more. To purchase any of the books in today's podcast, please visit thereadingbug.com slash authors. So reader, are you ready? Let's fly to our bookstore in California together. It's time for a Reading Bug Adventures author visit. Hi, Lauren. Hi, reader. Oh, hello there, reading bug. I'm glad you're here. I'm excited because today I get to interview Judy Shackner. Do you know who she is?
0: Oh, yes, of course I do. She wrote and illustrated one of my favorites, Skippy John Jones. Everyone knows from my big ears to my toes. I am not a Siamese cat. I am Skippy John Jones, a chihuahua to my bones. (laughs)
1: Good Skippy John Jones voice, reading bug. Judy also wrote and illustrated Dewey Bob. And did you know that she recently wrote and illustrated another beautiful picture book, Sarabella's Thinking Cap?
0: Whoa, I did not know that, Lauren. I better get back to my reading. I'll talk to you later, right after I buy a copy of Sarabella's Thinking Cap from the reading bug, my local independent bookstore. Remember, everybody, shop local. Okay, now I've really got to fly.
1: All right, reading bug. We'll see you later. Right now, I'm going to talk to Judy so we can hear more about her work. Bye-bye. Thank you for having me. So, uh, let's start with Skippy John Jones. Okay. And my kids laugh out loud at these stories, um, no matter how poorly I do the voice. And we want to hear you do the voice in a little bit, of course. Um, where did these, this crazy character originate? That's very easy. <laughs> Skippy John Jones was our cat.
2: He was a Siamese kitten. He had a very large head. He had huge ears, and he looked more like a chihuahua than a cat. (laughs) And one morning he came down into the kitchen, had some kitty crunchies, went down into the basement, dug a tunnel to China, then followed by a pyramid, and then a bee came into our basement and stung him on top of his little noggin, and it began to swell. And I picked him up and I held him. I was so worried, and I said... Skippy, I'm going to have to take you to the veterinarian. And that was when the first milagro happened. And he said, mamalita, I see the fire of love burning in your heart for me. And all I want to do is to stop, to drop, and to roll.
1: <laughs> and that's where it all began. <laughs> Simple as that. That's, that is excellent. Uh, so uh, you have so many Skippy John Jones books. You have a favorite.
2: Oh, gosh. Actually, probably uh, The Big Bones might be one of my favorites because my daughter, Emma, is a paleontologist, and she said, you know, I'll never forgive you if you don't do a book about Skippy and the dinosaurs. So... I did, and she helped, she was my technical advisor on making sure the dinosaurs were not too fictionalized, that they were based in some, you know, reality. And um, I just love the fact that there's little chihuahuas on Ichigichigamba doing the rumba, and there's that whole crazy, um, I don't know if you've read Big Bones yet, but there's a really crazy, uh, strange chant in it <laughs> and I really remember doing that just really wow, that just amazing. standing on my head to get it right uh-huh. so it's one of it is one of my favorites you know the T-Mexito <sighs> and he you know makes a big Jurassic bark, and uh <laughs> so I said that's one of my favorites.
1: Excellent.
2: Snow White is not is one of my favorites. I too. like Snow White too that's a nice yeah, one. I, I I especially I like girl. the
1: cover on that as well I love Little Face. Yeah and the CD it's included in this one is always great. I love Yeah, and my daughter Sarah
2: did the uh, little bit of music. That's a little skippy, fluffy, fuzzy little theme. Oh. That's
1: Sarah.
2: That's Sarah Bella. That's actually. Sarah
1: Bella wrote that music. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so neat. So um, you've been visiting schools throughout the country for many years. Uh, 26 years. 26 years. Mm-hmm. So what, well, okay. You need to tell me a little bit about uh, Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas? Yes. He's the love of my life. (laughs) Um, He's
2: also the voice of the nasonex bee. I have made many thousands of people say nasonex, and nobody knows why they're saying it, but when they say it, oh yes, they know. (laughs) So um, Skippy also, around the time that um, I used to go to schools and talk about my cat, and if there was this, you know, a a Latino population, population in the schools, then whenever i spoke just a little bit of spanish to those children they were they brightened up and i used to just tell a story about skippy and how you know he spoke to me in a, with a spanish accent i studied spanish in high school i remember about 10 words but i've always had a good ear for for the sound of languages mm-hmm. and i loved you know, pretending to speak. And Skippy's four years old. He thinks he speaks Spanish. I know he doesn't really speak Spanish. Some people get mad at me because um, they think that I am making fun of them, and I'm not. It's all about a cat who feels more comfortable with a band of chihuahuas than he does with his sisters and his mother. Mm -hmm. She's a single parent. She was briefly married to Tom Jones. He wrote "What's New Pussycat?" just for her, and uh, you know, like tom cats, they leave their litters. Mm-hmm. So she works hard to raise her little kittens. Mm-hmm. But Skippy looks at his sisters. They have small heads. He has a big head, and he believes, you know, not it's siamese cat, a chihuahua. So Antonio Banderas, at the time that I was telling this story in school. And I would before it was a book. Mm-hmm. We watched Zorro. And Zorro was my favorite television show, Disney television show when I was a little kid, back in the fifties, and I guess the sixties. And um and then of course I'm watching Zorro with my family. And I hear Antonio Banderas say, I'm a great sword fighter. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I need to be Well, Skippy
1: began sounding a like him.
2: Mm-hmm. So when I spoke to my cat, he spoke to me as oh yes.
1: Does does Antonio Antonio know this?
2: Well, you know, a long time ago, I would hope that, because, you know, there are there are a few movie stars, yes. and John Lukasamo loves Skippy, mm-hmm. and I found out through, you know, that the drummer for Nine Inch Nails loves Skippy. My daughter is a composer, and she was doing something with the drummer from Nine Inch Nails, and somehow it came up that, oh, my mom writes children's books. He goes, really? Shackner sounds familiar. Yeah, she said, Skippy John Jones. He goes, oh, my God, I read those to my kids every <laughs> night. So... in um, Gwyneth Paltrow and there there were a few people. Yeah. But I always heard him as the voice of Skippy. Mm -hmm. So years ago, we visited DreamWorks because, of course, you know, some people have been interested in turning it into a movie. Mm -hmm. And um, I mentioned Antonio Banderas and he said, well, I think he was, he was maybe Puss in Boots or Puss in Boots was coming out. Yes. Um, So I would... I, people have said, oh, you should write to him or somehow tell him that he is the inspiration, yes. you know. Uh, and I figure if he could be the voice of a next bee, uh-huh. he wouldn't mind. I think this is like an upgrade. I would say, I would say so. You know, yeah. so
1: I don't know if that answers your question. It does, but Antonio, where are you? I, 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 Antonio, <laughs> Antonio oh, come yes. to us. Come to
2: us. I will say next to you.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about some of your other books. Um, Dewey Bob. Dewey's a collector. He is.
2: Now, go ahead. Now he's a collector of mainly of, of buttons and the lost and tossed things of the world. Mm-hmm. So his favorite shopping place is at the dump, you know, where he he f- takes his fishing rod and he'll pull out a boot you know, or pull out a, like an old spring or uh, an old clock or whatever, and he makes art. Well, he repurposes and fixes the practical things, Mm -hmm. and then he will create something when he, and he doesn't know what he's made, but he'll call it art, Mm -hmm. which was, I thought, what a lot of art in museums is kind of like,
1: you know. People don't really know what it is, but when you don't, you call it art. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a lot of art in your home. What, kind of, what kind of inspirational pieces do you have there that you use? Well,
2: I have a favorite painter friend whose name is Perky Edgerton, and she is a wonderful painter, and I have quite a few of her paintings. I have a whole collection. Uh, we had a dog named Buster whose sole desire in life was to drive our car. Uh, he would spend sometimes eight hours in the car. We couldn't get him out, not even with a piece of steak, and he would tremble when you came near. He was an adopted pit bull. He was white with a round circle, round circle mm-hmm. around his eye. Um, and uh, what was I saying? I'm tired. That's okay. That is okay. <laughs> I was talking about... The art, and the, the the art, art in your home. The, the, the so paintings. I have a lot of paintings that I've done of Buster over the years. Um, and I have a lot of repurposed stuff that I picked up off the streets and mm-hmm. repainted. And I paint doors. Um, My mom died when I was really young, so I got to missing her one day, so I painted her portrait on my coat closet door with me sitting in her lap, so I get to see her every day. Uh, I've painted Skippy and Buster and Tink on my front door, and when the UPS man came one day, (laughs) he said, wait. Are you Skippy? I said yes. How did you know? He said, "Well, you painted them on your front door." So, you know, oh, I forgot. Yeah. So, I, you know, I have collections. I collect. I have a huge collection of buttons, mm-hmm. and I wanted to use my buttons somehow in this book. So Dewey's kind of like me. Um, he's also somewhat of an introvert. Mm-hmm. He spends his time alone until he realizes he's missing the best collection of the world, and that would be friends.
1: Wow. So. Let's move on to Sarabella, because this is your brand new book. My brand new book. And it's very, very beautiful. I think the art is my favorite of all of your books. Thank you. Um, there's a few pages especially the whale and um, mm-hmm. the elephant that are my two absolute favorites thank you. Um, and um, for viewers um, on our Instagram page at readingbugbox.com or at readingbugbox you can actually view a picture of our full window display with all of Judy's work which is it.
2: the most beautiful window display oh. I have ever seen thank it you. is sparkly it is sparkly It has <laughs> the pictures from the book you must come
1: by and see it's really beautiful thank and you. I thank you from the bottom of my oh. fuzzy well, it's very easy to create art from art, I think. I mean, it's very inspirational what was in the book, and I think putting it out in a, you know, in a big display, I mean, that's just another way to view what's in a book. And I think sometimes I don't think art translates on the page mm-hmm. as well as it does out in 3D. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? I mean, so you have three-dimensional objects in your house. I do. And then you have to translate them to a page. Is that a challenge? Well, you know, mostly
2: I would say, I, I wouldn't say I take or create my art from, like, three-dimensional things Mm -hmm. in my house so much as I might be inspired by the patina on a piece of old furniture. Mm -hmm. Um, Or the... And and that's true, because I'm really into texture, Uh and I layer lots of paint, so I use a lot of acrylic gouache. um, And pastel pencils and colored pencils and I layer things it's very labor-intensive artwork so I'm really excited by old furniture with old beautiful patinas and colors coming through Mm -hmm. the you know the top coat Mm -hmm. so um, that's probably but in Dewey a lot of the buttons um, those are some of those are my real buttons so I I made a you know photocopy of I spread my buttons on a, on, out on a piece of paper, uh-huh. and I photographed them and made a copy of them. And then I um, I painted buttons, too. So, um, but mostly it comes out of my head. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, lives in a corner in the back of my brain. Yeah. I open the door. Come on.
1: Oh, one more story we have to talk about. What?
2: Yo, Vikings. Yo. Yo. Yo, if you're from Philadelphia, yo. Yes, yeah. Well, just to make a short story long, mm-hmm. um, Emma Schachner was turning 10 years old and she wanted a Viking ship and because she had learned about Eric the Red and she had to, she had that was her Viking in school. She learned that the the Vikings landed in America 500 years before Christopher Columbus. Didn't understand why we didn't get October 9th off, which was <laughs> Leif Erikson's birthday. Why do we get Christopher Columbus Day? She used to wear a shirt to school that said Leif landed first. That's and, good point. And, you know, yeah. So, she wanted a Viking ship for her birthday. It makes sense. She didn't want a Lego kit. She didn't want a little swing sets in the backyard that looked like a ship. Mm-hmm. She wanted a real Viking ship. Well, life is stranger than fiction. There was an advertisement in the Sunday paper, Philadelphia Inquirer. It said, um, Viking ship for sale by, or burn, 29-foot Viking ship uh, owned by a little old Norse woman who took it out on weekend raiding parties. And they went on, to say, went on to say that if they didn't sell it, they were going to burn it in the Schuylkill River, give it a Viking funeral was $7,000 a best offer. My husband showed it to Emma. Emma saw best offer. She convinced her little sister to shake out the piggy bank. They came up with 198 dollars in nickels, dimes, and quarters. They wrote a very funny letter decorated with Viking ships. Sarah wrote Ina and Inga all over it. And um, and Emma said, whatever you do, don't burn the boat. It would be a waste. Long live Odin. Send it to us. We can't afford it, but here. And she put in a little fox tooth and a baseball card to sweeten the deal. Well, nobody else made an offer for the ship and we ended up with a 29-foot Viking ship in our backyard. And one day, there was a knock at my door, and this burly truck driver was at the door, and he said, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yo, uh, lady, is that a Viking ship in your backyard? Because the dragon's head stuck <laughs> up way over the tr- of the bushes. And I said, yes, do you mind know if I go out and climb on it? I said, no, go ahead. So I ran to my journal as He ran to the boat, and I wrote, yo, Vikings. And I knew, you know, my kids were grown by that time. I knew that one day I would have to write that story. Yeah. And the strangest thing, which I didn't tell today, and no one believes the story. Kids say, that's not real, until I show them <laughs> the real ship. And then they go, whoa. <laughs> Well, my daughters had gone off to school and their adventures. Mm -hmm. And when the ship got old and too decrepit, we gave it a Viking burial in the front yard. And we had this fern garden. And so there was a mound in our front yard. And I planted the tail on one end. And sometimes I put the dragon's head on the other. (sighs) This time, I just, this day, I had just had the tail. And there was another knock on my door. And we had new neighbors from Norway. Big, strapping, blonde man. And he goes... I'm your new neighbor, how do you do? I'm Sven. And he said, yeah, is that a Viking ship you have buried in your front yard? And I said, as a matter of fact, it is. He said, well, I'm a shipbuilder. And he said, my papa was a shipbuilder, my grandfather, I'm a Viking man. And he said, I cannot believe I moved next door to a Viking ship, you know, mound. I said, yes, you have moved into a strange neighborhood. So, um, but my, gar- my girls were always grateful. They always said, mom, you know, giving us that ship made us realize you can go for your dreams. And it's the truth. Put a little elbow grease, you know. I told you my great grandmother was Mr. Was Ralph Alder and Emerson's cook, right. yes. cook, and I wrote Mr. Emerson's cook. And That's then my right. very first book was uh, about Willie and May, about my great aunt May and her little bird Willie, who sat on her fuzzy gray head. And without her help, we wouldn't. We would have had some rough times. So, um, so that was my first book. But I illustrated yeah. three books for Donna Jo Napoli. Mm-hmm. Um, And Lara mcgee Mm Kvasnowski. I did her first picture book, which I think she should have illustrated because I think she's a wonderful illustrator. Um, And I illustrated a book for Allison Jackson, I Know When a Lady Who Swallowed a Pie. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Um, And I, wow, this was wonderful. I got to illustrate Lloyd Alexander's very last picture book before he died. And it was a folktale called um, How the Cat Swallowed Thunder. Mm -hmm. So... But in between, you know, and in between, I lied to all an editor this. and said I could write, and then you, there you have it. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> Pretty sure you can write. Well, Pretty well sure. if you can
2: tell a good story, yes. You don't know how to use, have to use the semicolon. Uh, semicolon um. <laughs> well, let me say that again. You do not know how. You do not have to know how to use a semicolon. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you, if you can tell a good story, and most kids can tell good stories, yeah. they go on and on and on. Yeah. That's all you need imagination.
1: Just, so every book starts oh. with a notebook. Every book I
2: do begins with what I call a character Bible. I'm not a religious person, but I believe in this yes. book. So character Bibles, I use, my books are all character-driven, mm-hmm. so I usually have a character in mind, and, but I, I'm not a trained writer. I'm really a professional eight-year-old, so um, I'm, I don't call myself a confident writer. So I'm very scared when an editor tells me, you know, well, I've got to begin a new book. A white sheet of paper is the most frightening thing of all uh-huh. for a writer to just, well, not for me, to just start writing down a story. Mm-hmm. So this way, I don't really know where the story is gonna go. Mm-hmm. And these books are just freeform, intuitive collage. Um, I'll spend time trying to sketch a character. I don't know how she's going to, you know, I don't want to do a portrait of my daughter. This is a book about my daughter, Sarah Bella, and a little bit of me, Mm -hmm. especially our personalities. So I'm not looking to do a portrait. I'm just looking to create a character. Mm. I invited Frida Kahlo to paint on Sarah Bella's thinking cap here. (laughs) But um, so I cut things out of magazines. I cut things out of newspapers. I might find a quote. What does that quote say? Can you read that? What stories will you tell? Yeah, I don't know where I got that from, but it's a good one. (laughs) So I glued it in there. I love working on tracing paper, and I love,
1: you know, the layers. Um, And that one says best year yet. Best year
2: yet. Mm -hmm. Maybe it will be. Uh, There's another interpretation of what cerebella could look like. Uh, There is the real Mm cerebella. So I get things out of magazines. I paint on the paper. It's very freeing, and it's very um, comfortable and
1: comforting. I could make these books forever. Yeah, that's beautiful. So how many revisions do you go through? I mean, I mean, Or do you have so many more pages than actually make it into the book? Or A few more pages. And to
2: tell you the truth, after I go through this, I sit down with my editor and I talk the book to her. Mm-hmm. And then I make, um, I reduce the book down to like, this size, mm-hmm. so it's smaller than this book,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then I start drawing the pictures. I I, I kind of see where I want it to go, yeah. and then I write everything out by hand on like mailing labels mm-hmm. and um, or double stick tape, and I stick on my the um, the text. And if I don't like the text, I remove it. If I get stuck on the words, then I move on with the pictures. So I am very. It's like parallel play. Mm-hmm. I'm doing two things at once. And it works well that way. I didn't go through very many changes in this book. I just drew it, wrote the story. Eh, maybe I need to add a page here. Maybe need to change that. Maybe I better not have a full-size Abraham Lincoln walking on his way to school with Sarah. You know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, And I have a wonderful editor that doesn't pressure me, Lucia Monfried from Dial uh-huh. Penguin. Yeah. Um, she just lets me go. Yeah. Just leave her alone, and everybody at Penguin says, "When is the book going to be done?" I mean, I usually do a book a year, but I know I hand them in late, <laughs> and they don't. And I don't hand much in beforehand to anyone. And Lucia just says, "Leave her alone. This yeah. is the way she works." Yeah. She does say, "I am the most organic person she's ever worked with," and I thought that might be a
1: nice way of saying
2: so weird. (laughs) I don't understand
1: what we do. But But everybody works differently, right? And I think the best page, though, if you'll go to that bookmark page that we put in there, this is my favorite. And I think this is really important for kids to see. It says down here, Judith needs to finish to Judith needs to work faster and finish her work every day. That's actually a letter from my
2: editor. But anyway, no, that's, (laughs) (laughs) that's Uh, That's my report card from, that's my fifth grade teacher, but that was something that was in my report cards every year. And you know it's the beginning of a school year for most children across the country, and every year I had the hope that this year I was going to do well in school. The ironic thing about this is I really tried but I had no interest in learning math it just didn't interest me you know and I wasted years learning trying to learn algebra said instead I just decided to read what one flew over the cuckoo's nest in senior algebra class and I failed geometry twice I have more F's on my report cards I honestly don't know how I graduated from high school I never did well in grammatical tests I I didn't I wasn't a really good reader I needed glasses I didn't have any so that kind of makes sense but um, if you were to look at my report cards, all of them together, uh-huh. you would not think that that person was going to go anywhere in yes. life. Uh-huh. The good thing is you're not the sum total of your grades. Uh-huh. That's the important thing to right. remember. There are other important lessons to learn. For me, it was taking care of a sick, sick mother, a very sick mother. Uh-huh. and so. But nobody at school knew that was going on. Yes. Nobody understood the pressure and the the kind of the tough childhood I was going through, Uh you know, so you go into school, you have to conform, you have to make it through school, you have to pass tests, and if you're not good in things, then you fall behind. If you're not the cream of the crop, you feel bad about yourself. Uh Um, So uh, all of those notes, you know, after a certain point, they got to me, and it's like, but I was visiting a school, in my mid 50s, so that was, like, I'm in my mid 60s now. So I was doing an auditorium visit, and a little third grade boy raised his hand, first question, and he said, Judy Shackener. He gave me three syllables in my last name, which I like. Yes. Shackener. Shackener, yeah. So he said, Do you have ADHD? And I said, oh. Why do you ask, Mr. Man? And he said, Because you're like me, you're crazy. And he uh, liked it. Yes. And I thought, that was the third time somebody said that to me or asked that question in, like, two weeks. So I went to a doctor. And I said, I was diagnosed with having ADHD by a third-grade boy in Pennsylvania. And she was British. She looked a lot like the woman who was the game show host of, you are the weakest link. Mm -hmm. I used to make Mm -hmm. her say that to me every time I left the office. (laughs) And I said, you know, he said I had ADHD. And she said, I've never tested you. And I said, no, you have not. She tested me off the charts, explained my whole life and why oh. I could never finish anything. And so when I signed my first contract to finish a book, yeah. scared me to death because I thought... Because you don't finish I anything. Don't, I, don't, I, I finished making two girls. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, yeah, I, I mean, the great thing about school visits and talking oh, to yes. kids is that I can tell them, you don't have to be the best in your class to have a successful life mm-hmm. because so much of what you learn... And also... I would bring home bad report cards all the time, Mm -hmm. and my parents always said to me, did you try your hardest? And I'd say, yeah, (laughs) but they said, were you good? It's like, yeah, I was good. And that was the most important thing to them, you're a good person. That's the most important thing. When my children were growing up and I was a mom, it made me feel so comforted to know that I was not the best student. Mm I wasn't in fancy clubs. I didn't have we didn't have any money to take fancy lessons or anything. But what made me feel good is that if my kids struggled in a way or they weren't the best at something, it doesn't mean they weren't going to be good in life. Mm-hmm. So it's not all about the report cards. There's yeah. more to learn than just read and write and arithmetic. And, and thinking differently can create all of this and more. Yeah, I mean, that's... And, and thank goodness for you know I was talking to kids. I found. Um, I found a quote, the other, oh, I forget when I found this, but genius is the stew. Mm -hmm. And I said to kids, what would we put, if if we were to make a genius stew, what would we put in it? And so one kid said, we'd put Albert Einstein in it. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'd put Albert Einstein's socks in it, you know, Mm -hmm. that would be delicious. So we were coming up with all these things that makes genius, And what does make a genius? I mean, Albert Einstein had an incredible imagination. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't so, I don't think he was very verbal for a long time. I don't Mm -hmm. think he spoke until he was four years old. I think he was four,
1: right? Yeah. Something like that.
2: So, you know, um, as I say, if you were to look at me on paper, you wouldn't put any money on me. But I just drew all the time. And if you do something enough, Mm -hmm. if you do it every day Mm -hmm. and you do it with a lot of love, then perhaps you will grow up to be the thing that you, or do the thing that you love. And most frequently, kids who find something early, Mm -hmm. they, you know, Emma, um, my oldest daughter, picked up a fish, a dead fish in a pond when she was two, and she was fascinated by it and rubbed its little eyeballs, showed it to two old women on the beach, which scared them. Uh And I thought, there's a future there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, she's a paleontologist. It made sense. Never know. Right, yeah. Well, thank you again. And again, the new book is Sarah Bella's Thinking Cap, and you can purchase that at thereadingbug.com and many other great independent bookstores across the country. Judy Schachner,
2: thank you so much. Thank you. You're a wonderful interviewer. Wonderful story.
0: Oh, Reading Bug, you're back.
1: What did you think?
0: I think you're a great
1: interviewer too, Lauren. (laughs) No, not about me. What did you think about Judy and Sarah Bella's Thinking Cap?
0: Oh, I love it, of course. I love the story and I love the art. It made me believe that I can do anything. What's really neat is that it's so different from the silliness of Skippy John Jones or the cuteness of Dewey Bob. I'm amazed how one author can write and illustrate in such different styles. It makes me want to practice my own illustrations for our next Reading Bug Adventure. That sounds like a great idea, Reading Bug.
1: Thanks for joining me for this Reading Bug Adventure's author visit. We'll see you next time. To purchase any of the books you've heard about in today's podcast, please visit thereadingbug.com authors. Our Author Visits podcast is produced by The Reading Bug, our family-owned children's bookstore in California, and sound mixing and mastering is done by the team at Resonate Recordings. To learn more about us, visit thereadingbug.com. And to get great books picked by independent bookstore experts at The Reading Bug, like me, and shipped monthly to your doorstep, visit readingbugbox.com. Reading Bug Box offers a personalized selection of great books based on each child's unique age and interests and reading level. Exciting and engaging children at every age with great literature and exclusive content like games, craft ideas, author-signed copies, and more. It's the kind of subscription service that only an independent bookstore can provide. For photos and fun details about our boxes, follow us on social media at Reading Bug Box. A very special thanks to Judy Schackner, to the entire staff of The Reading Bug, and to you, our listeners. If you like what you heard today, be sure to tune in again when we interview Cowlucot winner Dan Santat and Aaron Reynolds with their new collaboration, Dude. And for original stories with music, be sure to tune in to our episodes of Reading Bug Adventures, a story podcast by us for kids ages 2 to 9. Season 1 episodes are available now, and Season 2 is on the way. See you soon.